Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jack Farmer. This is the Evolution of Movie Show, and I am joined, as always, by Andy Rossi. But this week, we have a special guest, a host, and owner of James Lott Jr. Media. It's James Lott Jr. himself, Andy James. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Uh, rocking a mustache today, and James got a beautiful bear shirt, so I think we're ready to go for 1982. In the 80s, I see out of the three of us, I remember 1982. I was there. Um, <laughs> and uh, I had a mustache like his in 1982. Um, <laughs> I went and saw this film, man. So I'm very excited to talk about it, seeing it now, today. Was it 40 years later? 40 years later. Um, it's going to be fun to be with you guys. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to jump right into it. Let's let's talk about it. But if you're new to the show, first off, I want to say this is the Evolution of Movies show. We call it the Evolution of Movies because we watch a movie and we chat about it, kind of book club style. But we always watch a movie that came out one year after the last movie. So we start with 1980, then we go to 1981, then 1982. And that's actually the year we're in. So I'm going to stop right there. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of, speaking and that's of 1980, it. This is our last episode. Uh, so, <laughs> speaking of 1982, let me take you back to a time when movie theaters had hits like Blade Runner, The Wrath of Khan, and of course, Grease 2. But we aren't <laughs> talking about any of those. We're talking about 48 Hours, a movie IMDb describes as a hard-nosed cop reluctantly teams with a wise-cracking criminal temporarily paroled in order to track down a killer. Rotten Tomatoes has it sitting at 93%. Now, I don't know if I've ever intentionally watched this movie before, but I know I've seen it on, like, movies for guys that like movies a million times, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, Andy, I'm going to start with you. Just a quick, does this movie deserve a 93% in your opinion? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you go back to 1982, I mean, we just watched uh, Flash Gordon from 1980, and I think back at like an 80-something. So, so yes, it's all relative. <laughs> I would say perhaps it, it deserves a high ranking. Yeah, this movie filled with actors that made me go, wow, he was so young back then. James, <laughs> uh, you're the guest here. I want to ask you, had you seen this movie before, and what were your thoughts going into it this time around? Good question. So I said, yeah, I saw it in the theater. So I saw it when it came out. <laughs> um, and I remember Nick Nolte was like, he was like the man at the time. And Eddie Murphy was really coming up. It was like this, he was this young comedian actor. So we were excited for him. Uh, and I, I said, okay, I want to go see this. So I was my dad. I think I just saw my dad probably in Sacramento somewhere. Um, so I saw it then. And then another 48 Hours came out in 1990. And so I saw it on VHS in 1990 to kind of get myself back and like remember what happened. Well, you really didn't Can you explain that. what a VHS is to uh, <laughs> the listeners who don't know? Oh, do I have one? Yeah, I have one right here. No way. I have one right here. <laughs> I, we taped Falcon Crest back then. I found this tape recently. So it's a VHS tape. Oh, that's <laughs> I told, great. I told you, I, I'll be ready for you. I told you I'm ready for you. Props, wow. Um, okay. So I mean, I worked at a video store called Music Plus, which is gone. Um, and I went to the video store to get it. I watched. So last time I've seen this movie was 1990. So that's 32 years ago. Wow. And I remember I liked it when I saw it. I remember it was lots of you know, you know I was a boy. I was a you know I was a teenager. I was like I mean it was, it was lots of action, lots of gore, lots of shooting, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, when I I was kind of like I'm really curious to see if it holds up. 
that was my mm -hmm. initial thing going into watching it on my big television on Paramount Plus. Uh, it was a very different experience than seeing it at the theater or on VHS tape. Hey, Paramount doesn't sponsor this show. Don't give them a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I was when like, they... I'm find this thing. I'm like, there's no, there's no video stores anywhere. No. <laughs> uh, so let's get into breaking this movie down. But before we do, as always, I want to thank everyone who's checking the show out on YouTube or listening wherever they catch their uh, podcasts at, whether it be Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Thanks so much. Now, take it another step. Hit like button, comment, share, subscribe, five-star review, all that good stuff. Uh, share it with your friends and, and all that. Let us know what you think, and we may read your comment on the air if I like it or if I remember to look it up before we record the show. <laughs> <laughs> I did not remember to do that today. Uh, Get next so, week. <laughs> so let's start breaking down this movie. It starts... Out by a farm, a chain gang is working on the railroad all the live long day. A man drives up wanting water for his overheating truck, but it's all a diversion to make a break for it as our bad guy gets away. They leave a guy dead at a bus stop and then head off to a hotel. And meanwhile, Nick Nolte wakes up next to a girl who's totally being a stage five clinger. She <laughs> wants something more, but he doesn't really want us. So he takes off. James... Tell us about the world that this movie is presenting to us and that we live in while watching this movie so far. <laughs> now, also, you, you know, watch this movie with a different lens these days, so watching it back then is really fun. Um, mm -hmm. What's funny is the it's the the music. That's the yes. first thing. I, I was like, the <laughs> 80s sack-filled music. <laughs> like, that's so 80s. I was like, oh, my goodness. And, it, you know, it really did, on some level, bring me back. Like the memories are flooding in each sax note, the, the memories are flooding in. <laughs> um, also, the sweeping shots of the of the horses, and I'm a horse person, I'm an equine person, so I like horses. So the horse people, even the way they shot the chain gang, it was really funny. I was seeing the way they shot it; was, it was very interesting. It was kind of shot from behind, and all the all the, the prisoners stepped back as the thing was coming through. It was kind of it was very interesting. Um, so they're setting us up, this thing is hoping up all the way to the Casio watch. That yes. Jack has on the. I said like, I had that watch. I had that watch. <laughs> I had it. Um, I'm like, I mean, for me, it was like nostalgia overload. I'm like seeing us. I'm like, oh my god, the hair. Um, I was, I was looking at chain gangs for the froze, and I was, I was just like, it's so early '80s. Um, that was my first kind of thing. Um, but it really just it sets up. They're, they're setting up the plot. They're setting up kind of what's going to start because you don't think it's, it's going to happen. This, tr this this truck is screening down. You're like. What's going on? I mean, I, I knew it was going to happen, but in the beginning, it was like, why is this truck going so fast? And why is it craning down to the end? It, just, it yeah. seems so innocent at first. It's like, it's a chain gang. So I, they sort of really are trying to set up. And of course, the chick who's a net old tool is like, I've got shoes in this movie. Like, I've seen her much serious fare later. I was like, and James Weimar, I was just watching the Dexter reboot. I was like, that's Dexter's father. You know, I was like, <laughs> how, how, you said how young he was. Like, I'll, I'll yeah. get um, so they, 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 this, this, everything you described at that point, it was very much, they're setting up the first part of like the bad guy side. Yes. I like that you say that. Cause this was sort of, it was almost like a prequel story to the bad guy. You're right. Same what this is. Uh, we only get a little glimpse in the beginning here, Andy, of who our quote unquote hero is. And we'll get into that <laughs> later. Uh, but Nick Nolte played by Jack, uh, comes off as quite the curmudgeon right to kick things off 
And I got to say, like right when the credits start, I was kind of surprised to see. But I guess it, back in 82, Eddie Murphy, I think, was still on SNL, right? This is his first movie. So to see Nick Nolte's name first and then Eddie Murphy's second, I thought was kind of interesting. Because I think mm. when another 48 hours comes out, it's it's reverse. You got Eddie Murphy is now on top and then Nick Nolte. Um, <laughs> I just kept thinking, I, I have a friend. My buddy Nick, if you're listening, his mom would always say Nick Nolte was such a heartthrob and so handsome and <laughs> macho. And I was watching it. I go, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't see what he was. He was a big name. He was the big name. Yeah. And to me, he just looked like he was like a maniac the whole time. I'm like, how's this guy so handsome? He's like a racist what? maniac. What's <laughs> this? Hey, don't jump ahead. He has it. <laughs> I didn't mean I didn't mention Tonto at the beginning, too. I didn't mention it at the beginning. Oh, like, okay, yeah. But anyway, yeah, this no, that's a it's a theme that runs through this movie, and I did not expect it. I'll be honest, because in the beginning, I guess we'll lead to it. There's shades of of the racism, but I thought, oh, it's because they're on a chain gang, and these guys are all bad people, and they're jerks. Okay, yeah. that's why it's there. Uh, but we will continue to get into it because that was a that wasn't just a thread. That was like a knitted scarf. So so we move on and uh Luther is having a bad day as Gans wants his money. Was it Gans or Gans? It was Gans, Gans. right? Gans, yeah. that's right. Luther's having a bad day as Gans wants his money, so he keeps Luther's girlfriend as collateral until he gets it. While he waits, <laughs> Gans hangs out in a hotel room wearing what I assume is a tank top knitted by his grandmother <laughs> while he also is getting badgered by the woman he's with. Jack and his cop pals verbally beat down a hotel clerk trying to find Gans. There's a shootout and one of the cops dies and the other gets shot before Jack chases down the perps. Shots are fired and because of a couple of hostages, the bad guys get away and kill Jack's buddy. Back at the station, Jack is getting crap, but he's flipping it back like a chef at a burger joint, but he's undeterred. He figures out who the killer is and vows to track him down while the chief yells at him about how he needs to get a partner. Um, Andy, this is sort of that part where now we're seeing the, the, the cops clash with the bad guys. And this was the point in the movie I was kind of, one, I was kind of surprised we hadn't seen Eddie Murphy yet, to your yeah. point earlier about him not necessarily being the Eddie Murphy we know him so far as. And me, I'm starting to wonder when the comedy part of this movie that it <laughs> claims it is kicks in, because I had not laughed yet at this point. Totally. I'm so glad you, you mentioned his tank top, too. Gans's tank top was so great. But yeah, that shootout in the hotel, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, this is going to get funny. Eddie Murphy's going to jump in. But no, the whole time, it's like a serious... And those gunshots, I don't know if you noticed this. I don't know why this made me laugh. Every time uh, somebody shot a gun, they like posed with it. Yes. Like they kind of like had like a little... They all had the same pose. The two-handed Spread their pull. legs, two-handed. <laughs> yeah. Like... I don't know why this made me laugh. And and the gunshots are so loud. It's just like these explosion sounds all the time. But one line I, I had to write down that I, I don't know why I thought this was hilarious is Nolte is a, is a cop, right? So he's he can call backup or he can call for somebody, you know. Instead, he yells to the poor hotel clerk. He says, call for help now. 
<laughs> and she's like, uh, and then I noticed she calls the operator, not 911. And then I was thinking, I'm like, in 82, I think they had 911. But I'm like, what's she, she messing with the operator for? I don't think we did. I don't think we did. Oh, you did. There wasn't. Okay. Wow. This may <laughs> so make you go. feel old, James, but they invented 911 during your lifetime. <laughs> they did. They did. Uh, yes. Wow. So you. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're still all stumped. <laughs> well, and one person, sorry, just to sidetrack for one second, we have to give a shout out to, I don't know if you guys watch Breaking Bad, but yeah, um, or say. Better Call Saul, but Mike Ermintrout yeah, is uh, one yeah. of the cops that gets, he's the second cop that gets shot. Uh, yeah. But I was like, oh, young Mike. He's he always was, a cop and everything. Yeah, he was another guy that was like, oh my God, that's him when he's young. Gans also, because he yeah. was also in the Warriors, I believe, as well. Yeah. But also Luther was in the Warriors. He was the um, come out and play, I think, oh, guy. Oh, shoot. Okay, yeah. I could be wrong, but I think he was no, also yeah, in, right. the, he was in the Crow as well. He was one of the bad guys in that. That always stands out to me. So, yeah, oh, just Luther. a ton of people that you're like, oh, wow, this person was a youth at one point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were all young at one point, Jack Farmer. Man, <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm so youthful myself, I don't really know, but... Wait, and I'm thinking this this guy, uh, Nick Nolte's character's name is Jack, and it's yes. 1982. And Jack, I believe you were born right around that time. Yeah, I was. I'm was wondering. I named after Nick Nolte. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, James, was it just me, or did Nick Nolte look like an SNL character playing someone from the 70s during this movie? <laughs> it was the cliches. It was completely the cliches. Everything. Yeah. Um, the whole beleaguered cop who smokes and drinks for breakfast. <laughs> uh, the, re the relationship. The women in this film are expendable. I forgot that's the 80s. I mm -hmm. totally yeah. forgot. It's like, all of a sudden we see breasts. You know, it's like all of a sudden the chick don't want, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Like, um, put on a robe, lady. Like, hello. Um, you know, they're just, they're just so, like, expendable. It's like, it's so... You know, but his character especially was, you know, when he got to the station, they had the hard-boiled black chief of, of police who's like, yeah, da, 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 da. <laughs> I'm like, all those cliches were so real back then. So real. I don't, I don't know. They didn't have Red Bull back then, but I swear that chief drank six <laughs> of them before he he did that scene. Because yeah, he would, he just unloaded every time he's on the screen. He just like, yeah, lets <laughs> the people have it. Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if the director was like was gonna tell him to maybe cool it a little bit was just but was just terrified like I'm not gonna <laughs> tell that guy not to do what he's doing. Yes, yeah, Mr. Uh, Kehoe. And also, side note, kids, um, I because I have a series that I that I write and direct uh, called Easter Hair, and I was just, I'm, from, I'm from San Francisco, so this all is like complete like nostalgia for me. But that they're not called detectives; they're called inspectors. So, because somebody asked me, he goes, they're not called detectives? Like, no, in San Francisco, they're called inspectors. Mm. They use the word inspector several times in there. And, and that guy was the chief. Also, Space Kid, who uh, Luther with that Gans was watching, is an actual animated short from 1966. Oh, wow. Is that for real? And it actually really was an actual uh, animated short film. And he was super into it. Like, he was. Totally into like, it. like James said, he's got a naked lady next to him. You know, yeah. and, and he's just like, nah, not interested. This cartoon's pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> he's like, I've been in jail for a long time, lady. Do you know how long it's been since I've seen a cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> but I want to bring up, 
bring up something about you mentioned at the police station, and I don't know if you guys caught this or not because we're all in the we're all in the movie business and business mm-hmm. all stuff. Um, the scene was actually very intricate. Mm-hmm. So they had everyone overlapping talking. There was like the it was literally it was the camera was just going forward. There was a lot going on. The chick who was with homeboy was being interviewed by the other the officer chick. Jack was being talking to the other chick about what was going on, on the wall. The cops over here. They were all they were all intertwined. Like you say, say, say he walked by, say something to the chick. She's like, "F you," and then you go back over here. Something else. <laughs> I was watching, going, "Now this scene actually it felt like a real police station." Yeah, it reminded me of ER. I'm a huge ER fan, and whenever they had the big sweeping, the big shots of being in either the ER or the front desk, they had different things just going on. The camera just follows whoever's talking. It wasn't like that this conversation was illuminated and the rest were muffled like you see in a lot of movies and they could there was like everything was going on but there was something going on that still forwarded the plot mm-hmm. it was all happening all at once i just thought i just want to mention i thought that was very interesting choice yeah it did do a good job of sort of developing the jack character and that he lives in this total constant anarchy and everyone's a jerk to everyone so you could kind of <laughs> see how he could become a jerk by living in that day in and day out um yes. <clears throat> But hey, he needs a partner, right? So yes. where and do you find one? Also, oh. one other thing I was mentioning, because I'm from San Francisco, they showed the old Bay Bridge, which is not there anymore. I um, was I was thinking that, yeah, because I was I was out there recently. I'm like, I don't remember that bridge. So no, that, that was the old called, Bay Bridge. Yeah. Oh, and when I was there for the Loma Prieta, Prieta earthquake in 89. It was scary. It was one of the scariest things I've ever been in. It was 6.9. And I remember I was I was outside when it happened and I got knocked down. And I had to stay oh, on the geez. ground when it happened. Uh, but the bridge broke. That's all what part of the bridge broke. So they right. replaced it in the last 15 years or so. And that's a whole new bridge. But that was the old, mm-hmm. that was the old Bay Bridge. Yeah. Hmm. Well, of course, Jack goes to find a partner. And where do you find a good police partner? In prison. <laughs> so we meet Reggie and he can help Jack catch Gans, but he won't do it unless Jack can get him out of prison. So he gets Reggie out for, wait for it. 48 hours! They get along great as Reggie leads Jack to Luther. When Luther almost gets away, Reggie stops him, but Jack still doesn't trust Reggie. They take Luther to the station where Reggie chats up some ladies and Jack cusses out his. They head to a strip bar and they make a wager. Now, before we... Not a strip bar, a regular bar. Or no, it was a strip No, no. No, no, it was a We saw titties, though, but it wasn't a strip This is just a regular bar. Before we get into the bar, before we get into the bar, though, I want to talk about we finally get Eddie Murphy in this movie. We finally get Reggie and James again. I was, this is where I was like, okay, the jokes are going to start, especially as he's like singing in his uh, recliner in prison. Yeah. Don't really get jokes, though. Uh, but tell me about Reggie and how he's now been interjected into this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, signature, it's still kind of signature Eddie Murphy. Because um, he's singing in a recliner yeah. in prison. Listening to a Tony Walkman. I had one too. <laughs> I remember my Walkman. I did. Singing Roxanne by the police. Love that. Um <laughs> And just, I mean, living in a lap of luxury, but in prison. Like, to me, that's such an Eddie Murphy character thing that he would play back then. Um, and so he, there was a little bit of humor. Remember, there was a little bit of humor of them going back and forth, um, trying to make a deal, because he wants to get out. He has six months left. He wants to mm-hmm. get out. Um, I love I love the premise. It's 48 hours. That's the whole premise. <laughs> um, but we see, we see glimpses of Eddie Murphy there. Um, then he got, you're right, they got serious when, 
Um, Jack's walking away. He's like, F you. And also, we got serious. But there's little glimpses of kind of like, this is an Eddie Murphy type character. It really, it really, mm-hmm. really was. Eddie Murphy yeah. Now, uh, Andy, do you think that Reggie singing Roxanne by The Police was an intentional oh. song choice? I didn't think of it till just that second. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I was thinking too, yeah, because it's it's hard because you're watching this movie forgetting it's 82, but Roxanne, that was like a, a popular song. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I'm like, oh yeah, Sting, The Police, I remember that song, but it was like, oh no, that was like a hot track around that yeah. time. So. It was a hot track, Andy Ross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that would be like today if he was singing Levitating by Dua Lipa or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, something like that, right, something like that, yeah. Exactly. If he was singing WAP. You know, <laughs> <laughs> also because of the high voice part of it, that's the yeah. uh, that was used for that was used for comedy effect. Jack Farmer, you said yeah. you didn't laugh, that was always used for that. He can't sing his high, you know. I know, I didn't know that was him singing too. Did you guys? I mean, James, you've seen it before, I know, but I, like, I you said, it's, it's his, it's his voice, so yeah, yeah. Know, I, think, I would think you would, I, I, I can hear it like that also he did sing for a minute party all the time oh yeah uh, of course later in the 80s later one of the, the greatest 80s. songs of all it's time the jam oh, yeah i agree jack i totally agree jack totally agree um but no i think it's his voice very distinct i think his voice very distinct eddie has a distinctive yeah. voice oh yeah yeah so um so yeah i i thought this was interesting though because again and, and andy will let you talk on this uh Maybe there was a little bit of jokes, and he leads in again in the in the chair. But we almost just get friction more than anything else between these two, and it it, it feels less like Beverly Hills Cop and more like I don't know, just some show where people hate each other. Yeah, I kept wondering. I I hadn't seen this movie before, so this is my first time seeing it. I was I knew this was kind of like the pioneer of like the buddy cop movie, like the rush hours and the yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, they're gonna be cracking jokes soon but it takes them a real they hate each other for a really long time and you're right like with um james was saying like with you know boobies everywhere and like just like the raunchiness of 82 because eddie murphy says to jack he says uh does she have does she have big giant titties <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> such like a you know very to me a very 80s thing to say and uh i don't know why i just thought this was funny when he's saying how hungry he was and then uh jack refuses to take him anywhere to eat and he gives him a zagnut bar i, really I know said, i just thought that I was really such a funny it. choice <laughs> also, he says i want trim that was a saying we said yeah. back then I remember my stepfather <laughs> told me that saying he goes you want some trim like, i haven't heard that word in like 40 years I'm like trim that's right. <laughs> uh so Let's let's talk about this this wager. So Jack gives Reggie his badge, and they go into the racist country bar, and Reggie takes control of the place and lets them know there's a new sheriff in town. The cops build a little more trust with each other and then go on to Billy's girlfriend's house. Inside, the partners get jumped by the two girls who don't give him much, uh, and the racism really picks up here as the two cops fight. Now, kind of three big things happen in this chunk of time and and james i want you to talk us through first reggie showing us that he can take control of his situation very quickly by really giving it to these racist country bar guys first of all i'm from san francisco i used to live in the mission district there was no country racist bar in the mission district i was thinking that seemed a little out of place (laughs) yeah let's just go that's usually Latinoville. There was no racist white bar in. And I'm just telling you that that was all far. That was all made up. 
Whatever happened to predictability? <laughs> <laughs> Is that where Danny Tanner got drinks? <laughs> right, right, exactly, right. right. Um, another San Francisco show. Um, let me tell you, I'm from there. That was not for real. Um, but no, uh, I thought this was actually a really cool scene. I, I, to me, it showed me Eddie Murphy back then. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the kind of the it showed the allure of Eddie Murphy that he can go in here because it's so unrealistic. Obviously, you go in there. Um, and there's a great actor. I think I, I've seen a million things. Plays the bartender that we had the first exchange with, and it's kind of wisecracking. Then he kind of gets everybody going, and it's it's just a, to me it's a fun scene. It's there's a lot going on in that scene, a lot of verbiage used and stuff. Um, but my set for me, it's a, it's a black person's dream. So it's kind of like yes, you could do it, uh, even though I think it's very unrealistic. But it was a, to me, it's a fun scene that I. That, that I remember in the in the um, previews, that scene was used to show hmm. in the preview. That's one of the it, scenes they put in there. I remember that. Interesting. Yeah, so watching that scene, by the way, I thought, because there was, of course, ra- a little bit of racism building up through through that. Uh, and I, I felt watching this in this moment, this is ca- sort of the payoff and the blow off of that part of things. And I, it kind of made me, as I'm watching this, and even as I'm watching the Jack character, I'm thinking this is where he gains the respect for Reggie. And I'm thinking this is where he's going to like go, oh, okay, we're uh, on equal levels. I Now we're going to put that side away. Clearly it doesn't. But um, <laughs> there is, Andy, a little bit after that scene of uh, them, of, of Nick Nolte or the Jack character, he does have a little bit of respect for him. Like, hey, you pulled this off, but I did see you steal some weapons, so we're not best friends just yet. Kind of the buddy cop as we talked about. Not quite buddies, but they're getting a little closer there. Yeah, they're getting a little bit closer. And and you know what? Uh, thank goodness that Eddie Murphy does what he does in that scene. Because I was a little worried for him walking in there. I'm like, oh, God, Confederate flags. You know, and uh, he what a great job of acting, too, because he just does such a great job. Like, like I was convinced he was a cop and, you know you know, started beating people down and he can fight too. So it was kind of nice, uh, not kind of nice. It was very nice to be like, okay, cool. He's going to put them in their place and, uh, you know, come out on top. And he does, he does a really great job. And yeah, I thought when he came out, I thought him and Nick Nolte were going to be buddies, but it, it's a good choice. I think to be like, cause we've seen how hard nosed Jack is. So for him to all of a sudden just be like, Oh yeah, let's be pals. Wouldn't really make sense. So, um, he's getting there. They're they're getting there. They're getting into that. They had, they had to show this scene because they had to make had, it's almost exposition. They had to set, set up why Reggie is worth it. Mm-hmm. Set. Why is he? Why would you, you got him out for forty eight hours? Time's ticking. And my favorite line again is just a line from the film that I would. It's, it's a minor cuss, but it's a minor line. It's fine. You said bullshitted experience. Experience my bullshit. I love that. Before they walk in, I love that line. I love that line. That is great. That, that is said. actually a, a phenomenal line. I love line. that line. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great line. When he, when he gets, 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 because, because earlier Jack says something about you know you need experience and bullshit to make it as a cop. Um, and so when he goes, you say experience and bullshit. Well, experience my bullshit. And he walks in. And I'm like, yes, that was <laughs> hilarious to me. Um, that was completely hilarious to me. Um, but yeah, it's but they had to show they had to show that Reggie was actually kind of up him up so he's kind of. Oh, this is why they're working together now. Oh. Right. And um, I thought it was very, speaking of things aging well or not, I was so glad that Reggie pulled this off on his own, essentially, and it worked. Because as I was watching, I was thinking, please don't make this one of those things where the the white friend helps him and saves him. 
yes. in this situation. You know, I, I I want him to to win this on his own and not need a hero or a savior, but to show that he can do it. To your point, James, uh, of being able to do it on his own without needing someone to help him, if that makes sense. Um, but that said, uh, almost the exact opposite of what I'm saying. At the end of the day, Jack's still a racist. I mean, let's, he was a yeah. racist dude. Uh, and he said some very horrible things and the two kind of got into a fight. And this was, this kind of seemed where this relationship was going to end. Yes. But the fighting, you have to, do you hear the sound? I know sounds much better 40 years later, all the fight scenes, it's sound pow, kick, kick. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's so pronounced the sound of the, yeah. of the hitting. I could stop laughing. Like, oh my God. I'm like, <laughs> okay, 40 years later, it's much better. I'd laugh. It was just shy of the Batman kapow signs <laughs> popping exactly. up on the screen. Exactly. I, was thinking, I was thinking that, and Andy, I know you love MMA, so I'll, I just, let's talk about that. Because I was thinking if you actually hit someone so hard it made a sound that loud, <laughs> their head would explode. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, Nolte was like some kind of zombie. He was taking a <laughs> lot of shots, and he just like, oh, <laughs> he just like stayed up. I'm like, fall down. I'm like, what, is, what else does Eddie Murphy have to do here? <laughs> oh, you also, you mentioned, I'm sorry, you mentioned two chicks. We can't not mention that one of the chicks is Denise Crosby, later of Star Trek and other fame. Like, no, yeah. I think the movie too. She was like so young too. I'd mention that. And she, we see her breast too later in the film. She's like, <laughs> also ringing around. I'm telling you, almost everyone in this movie went on to do something else. Yeah. It, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. it, it was so many, but yeah. So we we continue on. Wait, real real quick. I I do have to say that scene that James was mentioning with the two ladies. Uh, I just thought it was funny how the lady that was wearing the baseball shirt had a baseball bat. I don't know why. Just made me laugh. They were like, I, I imagine them being like, "Well, what she she defend herself with? Well, she's clearly a fan of baseball. So let's really dive in. Let's peel the onion on this character. Probably um, the trick, you know, yeah, exactly. I noticed that also, Andy. I didn't notice that. <laughs> um. So uh, they, they move up and they're, they're like, oh, they, they so you know, whatever. I'm a cop. I'm a cop. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was interesting because that, that scene didn't really accomplish much. It didn't see, at the time. Now yeah. we circle back to it. But at the moment, uh, it, it kind of felt like they said, hey, let's go here. And then the girl's like, oh, yeah, we don't know anything. And like, oh, OK. Bye. Well, after that, finally, Reggie comes clean about the money he's waiting on. So they drive to the car that has the money in the trunk, but they have to stay overnight before they can get into the garage. The next morning, they see Luther take the car uh, and they follow him and also see Gans about to take the bag of money. A chase occurs as Reggie goes after Luther and Jack goes after Gans uh, and the bad guys get away when the cops stop the cops. So... Again, this this story, uh, Andy, it, it sort of unfolds a little bit more here because now we know what the money is. We we know exactly what everyone's going after, and we really see how everyone is interconnected in this whole thing. Yeah, I think it does a really great job of kind of introducing all of our characters. So now we kind of know who's going to be in this movie, and now they're all kind of coming together, and we're figuring out who knows who and what's happening with this person. And yeah, it's really it's really great to kind of put it all together and. I don't know why I just kept thinking to myself, the guy that plays the Native American guy who I know is in, in Predator uh, a yeah. couple of years later yes. on. Um, I kept thinking, did he kind Billy of look like is his name. Yeah, Billy. He looked yeah. like, like an Elvis impersonator or something. He had this big like <laughs> hair and he had like these leather pants or like tight it pants. It was the 80s, Andy. It was the 80s. <laughs> I, I thought he had great style. 
he did actually have good style. He was a good looking fella too. Yeah. I'm I, had a great everything. I was like, well, dang, if die, shit. I, you know, and, and J- James, let's actually talk about that because I'll honestly, throughout this movie, I felt like he was the, the scary one, even more yeah. than Gans or anyone else. He seemed like, cause he was the muscle. He seemed like he was the one that when they tried to get, when it was time to get away, he was the one that really facilitated it. He made the breakout happen. He was James. Am I wrong in saying that Billy was the real bad guy in this movie? He was, but they wouldn't let him do it. Of course it's the eighties. So, of mm. course, the white guy is, is going to be the main star, man, a little above than somebody of color. Um, but I agree with you because that's, there's a scene that comes up, you know, a little later that I thought would, could have been a really great scene between Eddie Murphy and him. It could have been a great scene. That's, but they didn't, yeah. they didn't do it as well as they could have, I think. Um, but he was the, he was the scary one because in the beginning, he's the one driving the, you know, it's like he, mm-hmm. he, should have, he should have a bigger role. I think he should have a bigger role. But it's of the time period they did. They, they may do it now. But back then, yeah. they, weren't going to, they weren't going to do that at all. Um, but what I want to talk about is that whole, again, another great choreographed scene mm-hmm. at the Muni station. So if you're not from San Francisco, there's Bart and there's Muni. And I and that, and that actual uh, station, Church and Market, I took it every morning to go to work. Nice. Oh. I knew. I was like, oh, he's worked on that thing all the time. They had um, trains when you were growing up? <laughs> we, we ran with our feet. With our feet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they're powered by the sun, Jack Farmer. They're powered by the sun. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, but no, but they, but I used to take that train. It, it was the K train, the L train. I took those all the time to go to work. I used to take them every time. So I thought that was great. But it's a great scene for us because um, they have stairs, escalators. Also, you have the train tracks. So they have people in the way. All the extras were in the way as they're trying to, like, where's Luther and where's him? And it is. And then other cops are coming in, which normally they would. There's always cops at that station. So that actually makes sense. Um, that big Americans go through all the time. So, like, that whole scene was greatly choreographed. Mm-hmm. And then James Horner, who did the music, who later went on to do Titanic and all that, you know, My Heart Will Go On and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy went on for other stuff, too. Um, it all worked to me. Like I said, again, these, these kind of big scenes, I kind of like them. There's no comedy in them, Jack, as you said. It's just right. straight up action, cop action drama. Um, and and they, and they get away. I mean, the whole the whole sequence on the Muni train, how he couldn't get on because the other time. I love the, that whole sequence. I liked. Yeah, this was, and also what I liked about this, there wasn't again, there wasn't a lot of comedy, but this is where it felt like Reggie really started giving Jack a hard time, Andy, where he was like, "Look, you're the cop. You stay up and wait. I'm going to go to sleep in the back of the car." Here. Right. Uh, and he yeah. was kind of giving him a hard time. We got to see a little bit of glimpse of how yes. funny Eddie Murphy could be there. Well, I was just going to say that's that's when I, I'm finally like, OK, I think this is turning into a buddy cop is when Nolte comes back from breakfast and he waits a little bit. He looks at Eddie Murphy sleeping and then he slams the door real hard. I'm right. like, OK, all right. They're starting to get playful with one another. So right. It's coming. It's getting there. Um, But uh, yeah, so that happens. And now the movie continues on as Reggie's going downtown and Jack has his girlfriend calling him again, but Reggie followed Luther and waited for Jack at a nightclub. Luther's on the move and another chase begins. Luther gets on a bus and give Gaines the money before Gans shoots him. Then Jack and Reggie start shooting at the bus and the bus is shooting at Jack and Reggie. And it's a whole thing before the bad guys get away yet again. So, Andy, this is one of those scenes where uh, like things are picking up, speed is picking up. They're, the the bad guys and the good guys are starting to interact more and more, and it's getting more and more violent. And um, 
it feels like even though the bad guys are getting away, the showdown is about to happen. They're about to have to, one of them is going to get killed eventually, right? And poor Reggie just wants to get some trim, you know, and uh, <laughs> he finally is about to and he goes outside. I just thought it was funny. The timing It's like it just so happens right when he goes outside. There goes Luther, you know, running off. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys, do we know what happens to Luther's girlfriend? They like kidnap her. She's running around throughout. Does, does she die? Expendable. She... expendable. Women are chicks expendable in this Phoenix film. We don't know yeah. what I'll tell you this right now. I couldn't tell you what any of their characters' names are no. right now. Uh, in this entire movie, not a single female character's name I could tell you right now. Oh, Candy. Candy's the one that he tried to get trim from. That's the one that I mean, I remember. Oh, is, I that her, is that her name? <laughs> oh, no, but that's what he said. Because <laughs> the, way he, yeah. the way he talked to her, too. I'm like, I'm like oh, that's never going to work out. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's how movies were back then. They'd just be like, Hey, baby. And they'd be like, oh. <laughs> I got $20. Want to go to that hotel? It's so bad for women. I understand why women want to protest now. I totally get it. We were James, pigs back then. James, you were there. You were in. You lived in San Francisco in that time. Is it possible for a guy to be like, hey, I'm out of prison for 48 hours. I don't have any money. I'm going to borrow 20 bucks to get a motel real quick. You want to go with me? And the girl to say, yeah, sounds great. I mean, no, we obviously <laughs> unrealistic. That is not happening. Um, it's just it's it, it, well. Well, first of all, that whole scene. Now that bar was much more realistic in yes. San Francisco at that time. And of course, Romance. the band was the um, was the uh, the bu the Bus Boys. They were huge at that time. The Boys mm -hmm. Back in Town was a huge song which they played in the movie. Yeah. So I remember when I, I, said, when I said, "Oh yeah, I remember they were big for a minute. They were kind of they had they had some stardom for a while there." Um, because of, because of this movie, I remember the songs playing on the radio. I remember seeing them on American Bandstand and all on Saturday and the whole thing. They were big for a minute, but this scene was it was very eighties. It was very everybody was dancing. The whole thing was just like I just I I loved all of that, mm -hmm. and it felt like San Francisco. The whole thing with Jack and his and his girlfriend was getting on my nerves. It's just like again, she's she's really at another bar somewhere, and it's just like yeah. that's just it's again expendable, expendable. Um, and yeah, it, it just it was. And he and Luther wanted something. The bus sequence completely. I loved it again. I, I'm a sucker for things like that. I'm a sucker yes. for car chases. And, mm -hmm. and it, I, thought, I thought it's a bus and a car. I mean, and it's and it's his Cadillac. It's like his, his you know ragtop Cadillac. Just like it's just it, it made me laugh kind of. But it's very. And I'm thinking, is that still really that empty? I mean, I guess it could be at night on a certain night. I guess um, you know all those hills and everything. But did they yeah. crash into a Cadillac dealership too? It did. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a Cadillac dealership. That's what I, was, I was on purpose. It was a Cadillac dealership. Yeah, that's what they did on it, purpose. It, I love how they kept making fun of his car, and I get it; it was beat up. But I was thinking, if you restored that, that would be an awesome car today. Oh, I know, I know. Hello. <laughs> so they kept making fun of him, and I was like, that's kind of a cool car, though. Like, oh, yeah. But I, I guess that's that's the difference in timing, though, because for him, it was just an old car. But now in our time, it's a classic. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. that's true. That's true. I'm sure that uh, 93 Ford Taurus that uh, someone's <laughs> driving around is soon going to be a classic. That yeah, I, I used to have a 2001 Ford Taurus. I used to have one. And it just finally died one day. I said, F you. You said the side of the road. That was it. <laughs> if you held on to it for another 50 years, that could be worth something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only Taurus that's worth something in 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> well played, James. I like that. Very, very well done. Um, uh, so this is something, and um, I, before we get into the final act, uh, I want to talk about something before we, we wrap this up. 
I don't feel like Jack ever redeems himself at any point in this movie. Uh, and I'll let either of you guys take this, but um, the whole time he's saying these horribly racist things, he's doing all this terrible stuff. As we mentioned, the women, by the way, every scene with a woman in it, you could probably take out of this movie and the movie's unaffected for the most Great. part. Um, but Jack never redeems himself, James well, or Andy. Like, does he ever do anything that outside of just doing his job? Like he's still a like a horrible person at the no, end of this remember, movie. Remember, this is actually the point where he apologizes to him. He says, "I called you a watermelon and the N word to keep you down." He actually apologizes to him at the police station, and so and then he said, then he stands up for him to the the, the crazy chief Keyhole's his name, the crazy chief who was going off on him. And he goes, his name's Keyhole. It was Keyhole. I know. <laughs> exactly. That was his name, Jack Farmer. I guess. Yeah. I guess I, you're right. And I, let's just get into the wrap up because you're. That's kind of the the next okay. scene here. Um, and I'll let you. I'll let you continue from there. But um, yeah, the the chief is mad at Jack, and Jack sticks up for Reggie, and Reggie sticks up for Jack. Before returning Reggie to jail, they go out for a drink. There, they realize that dumb guys try to patch things up with their girl, so they go find Billy's girlfriend again. There, Reggie kills Billy and starts the chase with Gans. Gans gets the jump on Reggie and takes him hostage. Jack takes the shot anyways, and we know that he hits Gans because Gans says, and I quote, I got shot before Jack finishes the job. He didn't say that. Uh, Jack says he'll let Reggie keep the money, but if he breaks the law again, he'll bust him before taking Reggie back to prison now james you were talking about the redeeming moment for jack i guess and i'll let you continue that but i guess i was saying i feel like that wasn't nearly enough of a redemption for all the things he had done before to just say my bad yeah no no i mean I'm just, I, was, I was gonna lead into i'm saying i'm just saying that he that was his form of saying i'm sorry for saying all these horribly racist things towards you calling him convict all the time and i did just it was a whole film of his dialogue with them that you can't wash away. But I think in this situation, because um, Reggie's not a saint himself, I think it was kind right. of like weird, mano y mano, kind of like, okay, I'll, okay, I'll take it. I'll take the apology. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not super innocent either. At least you apologize. And they did. They start to really bond a little bit. They started they actually started to like each other. So that was like, okay, we all say stuff to each other. I mean, again, it would take a lot more for me. If you and I did that for years, Jack, I'd be like, no, I need right. more than the, you know, I'm sorry I called you a watermelon. I mean, not even more than that. Right, uh, right. But I think it's film context because it's kind of rough and tumble and that it was like, okay, it's fine. It's, um, I wonder, I, I guess I bring it up more as a, to the point of how times have changed and how I guess like in a movie from the early 80s, I think viewers said, okay, that's enough. But I think today we'd say, whoa, dude, <laughs> yeah, you've got, you've got some they, more they, PR you got to do. They used the F word in it, which, you know, for for gay people, mm -hmm. they used a lot of language that I remember in the 80s, we did kind of all gloss over it. Mm -hmm. It was like, don't be an F, or don't be an S. Don't be, like, I mean, we all said it on some level, and in the films reflected that. And, and many of the movies you, that, you, that you guys are reviewing and you love, there, there's all kind of language you're like, you can say that today. And you could say it in the 90s. Like, at some point, it did cut off. And it was like, that's right. not acceptable anymore. I think I think with the advent of people's rights, people fighting for their rights, different groups, other groups, it started to change. But they're calling people, you know, like I said, this room Tonto right. and all these things. Like, you know, all these things, like they couldn't, they wouldn't be able to say that 
now. I mean, it just wouldn't. Yeah, I had to, speaking of that, I had to look up Billy's name because I was like, I'm not going to call him this the whole, like, <laughs> as I'm talking about this movie. And I can't just say the bad guy the whole time because that doesn't make sense. So I had to, uh, I had to, because they call him so many things throughout this movie. Yeah. They only say his name Billy like twice in the movie uh, as opposed to everything else. But uh, Andy, as we, we get to the end here, um, there's a bit of a shootout and they do get the bad guy. And, uh, Jack, he doesn't hesitate, even though <laughs> poor Reggie's taken hostage. <laughs> Reggie doesn't even get to finish saying, take the shot. <laughs> <laughs> He's already going to do it. And yeah, you, you mentioned it. So the whole the whole movie, I was actually saying how much I like James Remar. Like he was just like a brooding, like bad villain. And I'm like, man, he's really great. You know, I, I just thought he did a great job of acting in the movie. And then out of nowhere, he does. I don't believe it. I got shot. Like, it was a, such a like, oh, what was that? This is so silly and weird. Uh, and the way he yells, he's like, I got shot. Yes, you did. Yeah. That was just so funny. But I, I wondered like why he yelled it like that. I wonder, was there a problem with like the squibs or whatever? So maybe you couldn't see that he got shot or something. And so it's like, just so everybody's clear, I was shot. <laughs> but I, I want to tell, tell you that again, another great choreographed scene that's mm-hmm. very 80s. It's in Chinatown, which I know Chinatown, which has lots of alleyways and stuff. And it's it's foggy, which is San Francisco. It's nighttime, going through a little. It, just, it was it's, it was so eighties mm-hmm. movie showdown area. It was, to me, it was completely that. I, I I just and I actually nostalgic wise brought me back to those kind of films. I want to just before we wrap up, I, I want to go back to the part where uh, Jack sticks up for Reggie and Reggie sticks up for Jack. That's again, James, to your point where they, I guess they're, they're becoming true buddies at this point and at least at a mutual understanding. But uh, I just got to go back to that chief, man. He's just guns <laughs> up blazing. That guy's blood pressure must be through the roof because I mean, it's like Jack comes, he, he's got like one foot in the door coming in, and that guy just bull in a china shop runs through that place and just gives him the riot act here. Um, I don't even know if Reggie was necessarily sticking up for Jack more so than being like, dude, calm down, you're gonna have a heart attack. He called homeboy at the N word, also. He said, to Yeah, you're on the street. I'm like, Oh my god, you're like, you're really just going off, aren't you? Like, you need, like, you need some trim. Like what's going on? With you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, you're a little dressed out yourself. I think <laughs> that's how he he let him have it. I love that guy. But he is he was that I, I maybe because I don't know a lot of cop movies from too far before this. I mean, was he as playing a stereotypical police chief that's angry, or was was that the the guy that created the stereotypical angry police chief? I feel like I've seen it before. I feel like in the seventies I've seen it before. Also, I feel I feel like I've seen it before. But he plays the stereo. I mean, all through the eighties. St- I mean, you know, from Lethal Weapons, all those movies. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. Mm-hmm. Just different people playing this guy. That type. It's always a. And if you don't do this, you're gonna be your ass. And like, like it's the same. It's the same thing all the time. It's so cliche. It's the same thing. <laughs> 
there's a not to sidetrack too much but there's a movie so i married an axe murderer that has a police officer and a police chief and it's a funny little bit where the officer's bummed out because his chief is really nice to him and he wants <laughs> he wants the angry chief so he can feel like a tv cop but the chief is actually very understanding and like, <laughs> it's it's a good one so yeah um we get kind of a happy ending. The, the bad guy's dead. The uh, Reggie's going to get his money after he finishes his, his time. And uh, Jack's going to get a new car. Um, this, again, I guess my final thoughts on it are, I don't think it's funny. I don't know. Maybe in, in 1982, this was considered funny. Um, it was, I think, in a lot of ways, though, an interesting, I guess, reminder of how we used to look at things and um the, like i said the race thing is a very big thing in this movie and and kind of something i think is is interesting to see that not that long ago certain things were i guess considered okay um again don't know if they should put comedy on the tag personally but uh andy before we let our guests have the final final thoughts uh, what were your final thoughts on this movie yeah i mean i agree with you on the on the race um stuff it was it was super strange to be like wow that's this was you know not that long ago and the the way women were portrayed in it as well because we just came off raiders of the lost ark with karen allen was like this awesome female character and then this one is just like you know like you said it's sad to say but if they didn't have any of those female characters it pretty much be the same movie except for maybe eddie murphy wouldn't be trying to get some trim <laughs> you know that'd be the only thing missing um but yeah i think this movie kind of led to you know obviously skyrocket for eddie murphy after this you know i love the beverly hills cop movies and you know he was a leading man after this that's why i said like it was it was strange to see him not number one build in this um but this was his first film and I think it kind of like started all the buddy cop films that came later in the 80s and 90s. So I think it was like a um, interesting to see. But yeah, I was I was a little thrown at the I thought I'm like, oh, Eddie Murphy, this this movie's going to be hilarious. And it was like very much not like a hilarious Eddie Murphy uh, movie. But I did like how Nick Nolte finally, you know, did apologize. But yeah, like Jack said and James has said, apologize, maybe not enough, but we did get finally some buddy cop little bromancy kind of thing. And they have a nice little thing at the end where um, Reggie steals the the lighter. And, you know, I think it's a nice ending. I wasn't ex like, it didn't seem like it, there was going to be like, Oh, let's see a sequel to that. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to, to, to see the sequel. Yeah. James, before you say your part, I do want to say I, the whole time I knew there's another 48 hours movie that comes out. And so I kept thinking, does Eddie Murphy get caught? being a bad guy again is that what happens is he a does he go back to prison and they need to get him out for another 48 hours i haven't seen another 48 hours clearly but <laughs> the whole time i was thinking this doesn't end well for eddie murphy he ends up back in prison <laughs> any final thoughts to kind of wrap up this movie yes um so the ending was weird to me actually like you guys just mentioned it was like she goes back to like why did he just let him out he helped him yeah, like, <laughs> yeah that's true why Back for six months. I thought that I thought the beginning of the movie was set up that if he helps them, he gets out earlier. Like then why would yeah, yeah. weird? Like, yeah, I feel like that's the time period. I feel like that's the time period. Because uh, he was the convict. Um, and secondly, you said happy ending, Jack, and he did get a happy ending from Candy. Hey, <laughs> for the $20. And I was like, it's because I'm not, I told him about that camera. I'm like, that was the weirdest. I, I'll be in jail for six months. I'll come back, we'll have dinner. It's like, okay. I'm like, okay. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I don't know if that's how that conversation would play out 
no. specifically. No. Uh, it was weird. Yeah, I think James, I think maybe that's why I didn't feel like uh, the Jack character really came around because I was expecting Jack to at the end say, hey, because you were so great, I was a jerk. I want to make it up to you. I got you off the rest of the prison sentence. Um, but no, he's like, nope, I'm taking you back. And uh, if you mess up again, I'll send you back again. Yeah, and it wasn't good. And I was hoping that the end, because they opened kind of his scene with his chick. Again, I don't know her name either. And then O'Toole, um, that he would like make it up to her or something. Right. Like at the end, he's back with her. I'm sorry, I had a really weird, I had a really weird 48 hour, like some kind of wink or nod mm-hmm. at the end, but they didn't do that either. And I thought, so the ending is weird because I did see another 48 hours, which wasn't as good as this one. And it was also, um, I'm curious when if you guys ever watch it one day, it got a lot of flack because, yeah, I won't, I won't give it away there. I won't give it away. Okay. There. The spoilers but it's it's I, I didn't care for the premise of the second one mm. so yeah. i was i was kind of mad i was mad at the premise of the second one actually yeah i never understood why they even showed jack's girlfriend because he just hates her right like it's, right. it's like he just doesn't like her like she's not even worth it to him so what's the point of even well, it's like we gotta have chicks in this film it can't just be all it can't be a sausage fest just all guys right we gotta, we gotta throw it in once in a while and we gotta throw in him to kind of show his his off life, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, right. But they didn't intricately do that. Like I've seen shows do a lot better. Obviously, um, it's usually she still feels like she's thrown in. Like you said, we yeah. took her out. No one will miss her. I mean, sorry, Annette. I mean, I wish. I mean, I don't want to take your money off yeah. your plate or anything. But it's like it's it wasn't anything spectacular. You were just she was just yeah. an ornament to uh, to him, and that's what's so sad. But the film itself, like I said, some of the action scenes were great. Um, the film does not hold up in terms of like <laughs> no. by no sense of the word. Um, but another one of the four years came out because of Eddie Murphy's popularity. That's why they went back because of yeah. all the sequels to Beverly Hills Cops were big and and he was doing all big stuff. So that literally is why the other one movie came. It was literally that's why it happened, I think. And so this was like an early good. We got a piece of Eddie Murphy's laugh, his signature laugh at the towards. When he's having a drink, he does a little laugh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's Eddie Murphy laugh that made him famous also. A little glimpse. But I wonder that, if he forced that in. I wonder if they're like, no, do another take. He's like, okay. And then he did it again. Like, uh, maybe less laugh. He's like, okay. And then he did it again. Like, whatever. We'll just keep it in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think it was meant to be in there. Um, but I think for me, watching a film from 40 years ago, we should do that. It was what we should do that once in a while. Look at some old mm-hmm. film that we saw that while I saw then. And get a fresh perspective of them. It's very interesting to see them now with today's lens and feeling. Well, yeah. that's what's fun about this show is seeing the progression of movies year year after year because it's interesting how they do change over time. Yeah, yeah, especially having like the Nick Nolte character was so like for me at least this he was never really likable, and mm-hmm. to have that as your like main character in like a, a buddy cop film was was <laughs> very strange, but anti hero. Yeah, yeah. The anti-hero was really yeah. big in the 80s. It was very big in the 70s and 80s. The anti-hero was a big thing. Well, um, speaking of anti-heroes, we have a little bit we do on this show, James, and it's called uh, – it's a, it's, a, it's an old premise. It's Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, and Andy Rossi always tries to find a way to connect Kevin Bacon to one of the actors in the movie in six moves. So, Andy, were you able to do it this time around? Absolutely. Yeah. So Eddie Murphy was in a movie called Showtime with uh, Robert De Niro. Oh, geez. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Robert De Niro was in a movie called 
sleepers with Kevin Bacon. So, James, just so you don't know, and anyone who's <laughs> listening to this for the first time, just it, we say six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's really six degrees of sleepers because every movie <laughs> leads to sleepers. It has almost nothing to do with Kevin Bacon. But... Oh, funny. There's just uh, so many people in it. So, so that does it for this week's episode or this, this year's episode, 1982. Our next episode is going to be 1983's Kroll, starring comedian Dax Jordan. Uh, after that, we're doing 1984 Ghostbusters with Emily May as our guest. And night after that, 1985's The Goonies, starring with, uh, not starring, but uh, special guest Alyssa Marino. Excited for all of those before we go anywhere. Uh, James, where can the world find John Mark? Thanks for having me on. I love the Goonies. That's, that's my time period. Again, I just it's just a classic film. All the characters, everything is just. I, I mean, I'll be I'll be watching. I'll be watching it after some. Excited to see that one. Um, I were all James Bond Jr. sold at James Bond Jr. on all social media platforms. I am JLJ Media. I work forty-five shows weekly that come out. Go ahead and check us out. See everything from Star Trek to Star Wars to being left-handed, grandparenthood, and soaps. Go ahead and check us out on JLJ Media on YouTube on any streaming audio platform you find your podcast. And Andy Rossi, where can the world find you? Yeah, you can find me at just Andy Rossi or at Dead Body Movie for uh, my film. And you can find me at Real Jack Farmer across all social media. That does it for us this week and for this year. Make sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, five-star review. Let us know what you thought of the movie as well. We may read your comments online. That does it for us. And uh, we'll see you then.